Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Are we on? Uh-huh. I think All right. we are. Ooh, just burped. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a nice way to start us off. I'm Steph. not done that. Keep no. that recording, man. No, I don't burp <laughs> in public. Oh, wow, that's embarrassing. Well... That was uh, Kevin just patting Stephanie's back after he, she drank some milk. That's probably it, and it's non-dairy milk. Oat milk, The please. acid reflux. It might be. Goodness. Okay. How's your baby doing? I, he's doing good. He's doing good. He's like getting into the higher months, you know, the, almost the double digits. Mm. He's almost a year old. That's like, crazy. Yeah. I feel like it was just yesterday. So He's not almost a year old. I mean, like eight to nine months. How old is like he? almost close? a year old. He's eight months? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's almost a year old. So. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. Honestly, it's it's crazy how quick it's going and he's got teeth. I mean, it it takes... Okay, Tim Keller said this in one of his podcasts, but how him going through cancer um, has helped him realize things that he didn't find the joy in. Sometimes, uh, you know, you can get familiar with, you know, sunrise, you used to love it, and now you're like... Ugh, why am I stuck in traffic? So I bring that up yeah. to segue to Sevi to say, I'm amazed about the smallest things. Like he just got a new tooth and I'm like, oh man, I wonder like yeah. how many inches this tooth's going to grow or if he'll have another molar or um, when he learns how to uh, sit up for about like 20 minutes straight. I'm like, he just sat up for 20 minutes sit straight. So I, I'm, I'm now one of those parents that yeah. uh, um, are excited about the slow but quick work in my in my child. I still don't realize I have a child, so the fact that I said that is crazy. But well, he is mine. Praise God for his life. Yeah, he knows my He's face. A beautiful little kid. Thank you. He's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Keller too. Keller's been so encouraging lately. Oh yeah, some of his uh, so helpful interviews and talking about cancer. Yeah, particularly life. in be- seeing beauty, which mm-hmm. I think can be really hard in an inner yeah. city context sometimes. Um, if you're not content with your your setting in any context, but I think particularly if you're not content where where God has you, it kind of strips the beauty away from a lot of things. And so come on, now. he's been good. He's been good. He's been helping us think about beauty amidst uh, all of the beauties and the the hard things of 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 living here and the things that we run into. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. To another episode of the Soup Sessions. Welcome. It's 2022. This is our first episode of the new year. That's mm. right. And, uh, Happy and New Year to, Thank to you. our audience. Happy New Year. No, Happy not New to year. y'all. I already oh, told we you guys. Saw y'all. To the audience. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Stoop Sessions, and my name is Joel Kurz. I'm, I'm Stephanie Greer. Oh, we both. I didn't know what order. Hey, it's, it's, it's been a while. Good. It's, it's been a while. You go first. That's right. We got to find out. We got to find out chemistry. All right. Go ahead. You go. I'm Eric Hill. And I'm Stephanie Greer. And this is the Stoop. I'm I'm uh, happy about the uh, the topic that we're going to be talking about today because I really think it'll be very helpful for our audience. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going back to a topic we talked about earlier in uh, on our podcast, which is addiction, drug mm-hmm. addiction, and you know even talking about some of the challenges we face, and sometimes it's hard to see beauty. Yeah. Uh, drug addiction is always like in our face, and um, you know we were discussing whether or not we should talk about addiction again on our podcast. And I kind of feel like, man, we should at least talk about addiction once a year. You know, like yeah. it, it's been about a year since we talked about it. Yeah, and in the context of other listeners, 
Yeah. They run into it every day. So like you said earlier, it's a new year and we should same probably problem. talk about addiction. Yeah, yeah. same it, problem. It's not going away. No. And the thing is too, is I feel like we're always learning about this problem ourselves and what it looks yeah. like to disciple people who have uh, drug addiction and yeah. um, where we uh, move in the church discipline, where we err on patients, like all of those kind of questions yeah. are just constantly in our face. And I think the the need for the softening of our own souls each time we run into a situation uh, with addiction and the required compassion. So it's worthy. Right. It's a worthy topic to talk about. So I'm happy that you're happy to jump into it. Could we talk about it in maybe two two ways? One, why don't we discuss the question on whether or not addiction is a disease? And secondly, why don't we talk about whether or not a church should excommunicate for addiction? Ten years ago, this month, our church covenanted together as a church. So we were going on for four years before that, trying to get things rolling. 10 years ago, this this January, 2022, we uh, covenanted as a church. And so what that means is I've been pastoring then a Baptist congregational church for 10 years. And I Look love at it. you with the labels. I'm happy Praise you love God. it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I don't love the labels, but here's why I say that though. Here's why I say it. Baptist meaning we believe that Every member of the church is to be a uh, baptized believer giving a credible profession of their faith, all right? Congregational in the sense that we believe the final court of authority on earth as to who represents Jesus on earth is not the elders or some disciplinary board, but is the congregation of baptized believers. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, it, it, for us, it brings up a lot of questions at times as to who represents Jesus. It's not to say that we as the church determine who's saved. That's Only right. the grace of God determines yeah, that. That's, that's right. right. But in Matthew 18, Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to the church. That's right. And there he shows us that it has to do with the binding and loosing of church discipline and the representation of of Jesus himself. And so therefore, I'm using all of that to get to this question of drug addiction in the church. Like, should a Christian go on in uh, drug addiction? Uh, at what point does it become an issue of church discipline? At what point do we do we call for patience? And then also, uh, you know, where is compassion in all of that? Yeah. Questions come up, such as what is drug addiction? Like when yeah. we're talking about this, is it is it medical or is it sinful? Is it a result of trauma? Is it poor morals? Is it a disease or is it a, yeah. a decision? Yeah, these are questions. I think we should define terms. Right. Define. So let's terms. let's start with addiction. So I think addiction would be just like dependence on. It could be a substance. It could be uh, activity. It could be like anything. Anything that you're like dependent. So if somebody says I'm a, I'm addicted to caffeine, mm -hmm. or I'm addicted to basketball, yeah, is that the same thing as I'm addicted to heroin? No, it's just definitely different. Not all addictions are are the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if we just define an addiction, yeah. Then but I, see, yeah. here's the thing though: is one thing I've heard people come, uh, bring up is like, well, everybody's addicted to something. So yeah. whether you're addicted to coffee, that's no different than if somebody's addicted to a drug because addiction is addiction. Yeah. And I think the answer to that is like, well, no, not really. Exactly. Like the Bible doesn't ever actually condemn addiction itself as a sin. 
because addiction, I think, in some ways is kind of a modern theory as to why people return to mm-hmm. particular behaviors. Like we're yeah. turning to their vomit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But in the Bible, what we would call addiction, say, to alcohol is called drunkenness. That's right. What we, what we would call addiction to sex yeah. is called fornication. Right. So, right. so it's maybe addiction is not always even the best term to use in discipline issues, in pastoral yeah. care, in church ministry. Yeah. Maybe we ought to be talking about the sin itself. Right. What is the sin? Right. Yeah. Well, I like how um, Dr. Plaster, friend of the program. Mm-hmm. He's been on here uh, before. Right, exactly. Um, how he, he said it's helpful to refer to it as like chemical dependency. Mm-hmm. We're talking about drug addiction yeah. instead of... Because I think he, he also sees that the word addiction itself can be problematic. Yeah. But you know what? Chemical dependency... I was just thinking about this today. Chemical dependency could also be kind of problematic because like, couldn't you be dependent on a chemical... That helps you, Like chemo? Saying? Yeah. For cancer? Right, but all oh, for a short time. Anyway, that's yeah. the hope, right? Maybe we're yeah. getting too nitpicky. Look at us, look at us. <laughs> Which is good to define these terms because I think it, it doesn't always pan out to be exactly black and white, which is why conversations are really helpful to happen and that there um, are a lot of different beliefs on this. But we, we would probably say, well, I'm not an expert in chemotherapy, mm-hmm. but we can right. talk about actual um dependency where it's where it becomes kind of like a slavery and a bondage which is right. what uh what uh addictions would be i mean i Truly i only know on a group yeah. of individuals who are going through chemotherapy and it's not something that they want yeah. to be on it for, for exactly. a long time yeah. nor do they want to be a slave to it regardless like I, I think all the terms are probably fine as long as we understand what we're talking about but right but I think the more we can use biblical language, such as drunkenness or fornication, I think all the better. Yeah. Right? Uh, now, let's go to another question that is, uh, is addiction a disease? So, you had mentioned Dr. Plaster. And one of the things he said on the disease question, I asked him this, is, do, do you as a medical professional, professional understand addiction to be a disease? He said he doesn't prefer the word disease. He prefers the word condition. Right. Yeah. And then he went into an analogy um, of type 2 diabetes. Can I go into the analogy? Yeah. So, you know, every analogy breaks down somewhere. But his basic analogy was this. Let's, let's say that there's a guy who has type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. that he brought on himself through eating cake. Now, I want to be humble. I don't want to, like, uh, um, upset right, anybody right. On, who's listening yeah. who has type 2 diabetes uh, because I do understand... From It'll a, be genetic. Ex, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and I think there's we're still learning about and, type two. Yeah. Yeah. And the heart behind it is not shame. It's just yeah. you know, let's yeah. ride this analogy. But for let's a bit. just ride yeah, it, yeah, ride, yeah. ride out this analogy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. many, so um, many issues. Let's just say that he ate a lot of cake and a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs. So made poor decisions. Made poor, poor decisions, right. sinful decisions, destroying his body. Yeah. Um gluttony, let's say, and he developed type two diabetes. Yeah. Right? Type 2 diabetes is a condition mm-hmm. that he now lives with. Yeah. It was brought on by his poor decisions. As a result of having type 2 diabetes, he's going to need proper care, which might involve, by the way, some counseling mm-hmm. to think through, like, let's get to... The- let's think through nutrition. Yeah. Let's think through choices. Let's yeah. think through... Yeah. And even the why. Yeah, the why behind it. What's beneath your eating habits. Right. Yeah. Even if there's a disposition towards type 2 diabetes, right? I mean, even if you think through, oh, I have family history with this. Yeah. Um, really even considering that 
um, if we're going to ride the analogy, yeah, you know, yeah. if someone has a disposition towards maybe addictive uh, substances, even being careful in the sense of like, oh, okay, well, what does that look like now that I know that I have a disposition towards this? Does it mean I'm helpless in my choice towards that? That's good. If our imaginary man, could, how, however, ignores the, the medicine that he's supposed to take, he ignores the counseling and maybe even some trauma therapy, right? Mm-hmm. He ignores all of that. And continues his destructive eating patterns. That's right. Uh, he's warned by the doctor. He continues to eat cake. Um, he's really in sin. You yeah. know, he's continued to, to de- destroy his body. Uh, he's not stewarding what the Lord has given him. I think this applies to drug addiction. Yeah. In that you can develop a, a condition in a medical you know, sense of the word, yeah. you can develop a condition where, especially with opioids, where your, your brain is changed yeah. and um, there is significant damage that is done to your body as a result of your drug addiction mm-hmm. to where you need help, yeah. right? You need um, maybe De- medication. Right. Yeah. I was going to say maybe detox, maybe rehab, maybe some um, really huge life choices, right? Yeah. It, it does require... Change would not come easy, right. and, by, and by following through, like on, the, like by agreeing to, you know, take the help, is like you're actually taking responsibility for, you know, your condition. Right, mm. right. You know what I mean? Instead of just keep on making like these poor choices, and exactly, just giving yourself over. Yeah, muting that, muting yeah. that pain. Yeah. But it, but if that person goes on and continues to use drugs, destroying their body, yeah. Then they're not taking responsibility exactly. for their condition. So, so Plaster used this example with me, and I, I actually thought it was really helpful because he's not saying that to call it a condition is to take the responsibility out of their hands. Yeah, it's saying that from a from a medical perspective, we can kind of see things and treat things as a condition, but that still means that you've got to take responsibility for your decisions, for these patterns, for these yeah. habits. And uh, and get the help that you need, yeah. right? And I think that's why it's, it's not helpful to to refer to drug addiction as a disease because I feel like you just take the responsibility from the individual. Yeah, you and know what I mean? here's the thing, though, Eric. Like, I, I think a medical professional might not see it that way. That could be true. But I think that the non-professional would. Yeah. You know, I think when we use that disease metaphor with non-professionals, yeah. I think what, what we communicate is that this person is not responsible for this, a.k.a. they can continue to go ahead and get high mm-hmm. and live their destructive life, and it's out of their control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every medical professional that I know would say, well, that's not what we're talking about. Right, and I think it removes hope from a situation if you say, this is just something you know, cancer's terminal, you know, yeah. or, or things like that. You have no choice when really there is a spiritual aspect to this and, and the Holy Spirit is stronger. So again, what we're not saying is, oh, um, neglect the fact that you're an embodied person with physical and spiritual needs. It's just saying, if we say it's just the way that you are and there's no way you can change this because of your body or because of so many different things, there's no hope in that statement. That kind of yeah. leaves you more hopeless. Uh, where I was saying there is actually someone you can trust and there is something you actually can do. There is help that you can get um, actually presents the reality of the situation. Another term that we need to define is unrepentant sin. We at the Garden Church would never discipline somebody for uh, sin. Yes. We would have no dis- members, buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> we discipline for unrepentant sin. Oh, man. Right. So, uh, what is unrepentant sin? 
So unrepentant sin is just, um, I think it's when you continue to, one, like live in sin. Like you show no sign of repentance whatsoever. You're not fighting you don't against take, it. Yeah, you're not fighting against it. You're not taking responsibility for it. You're not seeking to, you know, get accountability. But you just continue like to cherish that sin and give yourself over mm. um, to that sin. I cherish, like my precious. It's good. And so then church discipline... Let's define that. Church discipline is not shunning. It's not hatred. It's removing of that individual that gives themselves over to that sin. It's removing them from membership because at that point, we can no longer affirm right their, their um, profession of, of faith. Yeah. For the hope of restoration. Right. Yeah. Because exactly. we, if we allow you to continue the way that you are, it's very confusing for both your witness and for you. Exactly. And so saying, hey... This is not indicative of what a believer believes or is yeah. doing. Hopefully is a sign to say, you know, go and taste of that world and see that Jesus yeah. offers much more. Mm-hmm. I like that you added loving. like for the hope of restoration, because sometimes when we have like, you know, these conversations about like church discipline and we, let's say we actually have to discipline a member. Sometimes it comes off like it's not like a loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas like it really is because we're hoping that, hey, you come back to the faith. So Right. Yeah. Another word, Eric, that you you and I have talked about in our elders meetings is intoxication. So we tend to prefer as elders to use the word intoxication when talking about this pastorally as opposed to getting high or using. Uh, I'm not again. I'm not against using those terms, but intoxication I think is a little clearer as mm-hmm. to what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's generally a good word to describe the sinfulness of drug use. In the Bible, using substances for intoxication is unwise. It mocks the user. It leads to fighting. Proverbs 20, verse 1. It is debauchery. Ephesians 5.18. It is a cause for poverty. Proverbs 23.21. It's connected with sexual immorality. Hosea 4.11 and also Revelation 17.2. And it is deadly. Proverbs 23, verse 32. Intoxication is... To use a substance in such a way that it affects the mind, mm-hmm. it affects the, the, your emotions, it affects your body, it leads you to leaning into the substance as opposed to Jesus. And, you know, in contrast, 1 Peter 5.8 says right. what? To be sober-minded. Right. Sure. So that's the, the opposite would be sobriety, exactly. to be sober-minded, meaning to have two feet on the ground and we talked, I think we talked about this in one of our previous previous episodes, but to experience the world that we're in, right. to and recognize- To feel those exactly. things, to realize yeah. that, yeah, that this is not a perfect world, that our lives are not exempt from pain or suffering or sorrow, both things that have happened to us, things that we have done to others, things exactly. that we've done to ourselves. And so uh, it really does, um, being sober-minded does not mute uh, it doesn't mute us, nor does it almost um, cast this like kind of morphine, kind of a yeah. gloss over real pain, yeah. um, which is yeah. what, what Christ came to die for. And not just yeah. physical pain, but real spiritual yeah. implications of, of sin. And mm. so I think being sober-minded is harder. I mean, we had Diane on the yeah. podcast, and she talked about the importance of, of, of um, being with someone and saying, you know, you know, you're doing these things to erase this pain, but it, it is it is it is almost um, covering up mm-hmm. all of the things that are really under. And I mm-hmm. want to help you walk through that. Mm-hmm. I want to help you deal with those things, but covering up doesn't make it better. And exactly. then she brought up 
the the result of addiction is you keep going back for more, and because exactly. it's a horrible God, um, it will always take for you, take yep. from you, and deliver very little, uh, yeah. and you need more of it to continue to feel hints of alive. Where I think sober minded just says, "Wow, I'm here, um, and I, I can feel pain." And that's a good thing because, like, the pain, the things that we experience, like suffering and things like that, those things should drive us to God. Mm -hmm. But when you're not sober-minded, when you, you know, you use substances or whatever, like, you miss an opportunity to actually find that, look, God is right there in the midst of your suffering, like he's there. But you, you know, you escape to the, you try to escape from it by, you know, being um, intoxicated. You know, I think the great tragedy of intoxication is not just being prevented from living a Christ-like life, which that's tragic, not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, that's tragic. I think the greatest tragedy is that you are silencing the very feelings and hardships and pain that could be pushing you to the gospel. Exactly. You know, and... Uh, you know, will there be people who never turn to Christ because their entire life they've just been silencing these pains and these Mm -hmm. hardships through creating an alternate reality, not living in the reality that God's given them, Mm -hmm. not trusting God with the reality that God's given us. So so I think part of it is then to really see pain as, you know, it's not good, but it's a a severe mercy, as C.S. Lewis would say. Yeah, and, I, and and this is not necessarily on t- in terms of addiction, but how many times has God used suffering to actually bring about so many things in Himself? So uh, it is the 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 path that our Savior walked in, and He didn't um, leave us alone in that. And so, um, oftentimes when we look at the ugly side of addiction, it is incredibly isolating. Uh, it d- is destructive of family yeah. structures, of relational structures, of dignity, human yeah. dignity that God has made us with. And so when we think about the flip side of trusting God in that suffering, we realize, yeah. wow, we have a shepherd who has not left us. He has been compassionate to those um, who need his help. That's right. yeah. And so that's actually where hope is. And so, wow, who's there to help me? Who can actually look at me right now? Who yeah. um, is strong enough to bear my sin? Well, Christ is, and you don't yeah. get to see that if you muted uh, the desire for that. So that's, that's there's yeah. huge spiritual implications of what we do to our bodies. Quick quick testimony. Tell so, us. Um, and I think I shared this with you guys before. Maybe not the audience, but um, so, you know, before I became a Christian. I always like how you call them the audience, by the hey, way. Man, you you know, know, I just feel like there's a live audience right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks that's for tuning in to the deep session. <laughs> um, we should so do that one day. A couple, what, let me see, maybe like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Eight years ago, uh, eight or nine. Um, when my dad passed away, um, this was before I was a Christian. And I remember, like, when he died, like, just the pain that I felt. Mm. Like, I could have easily, like, you know, turned to something to try to, you know, cover up that pain, yeah. substances. And I'm so glad I didn't because, like, looking back now, wow. I can truly say that, like, God used that to, mm. like, bring me to salvation. Yeah. Mm. Whereas Praise I could have missed that opportunity. Right. If I wasn't like sober minded. Right. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we have uh, like compassion and also calling people a responsibility mixed together. Like we can have compassion on the person who has pain in their life. And at the same time, that doesn't justify sinful behavior, you know, not just simply because we're trying to like, you know, hey, follow 
our rules and let's follow the government mm-hmm. laws. And like, it has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with Christ and uh, who he is and who the church is and what it means to represent Jesus in the world. And so going back to this issue of discipline then, a member who falls back into ongoing persistent intoxication using substances it, to, to continue for a church to continue uh, to give that person a sense of the, the to, for a church to continue to give that person the blessing of church membership is to falsely comfort them. That's right. It's to lie mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that individual mm-hmm. about uh, their own representation of Jesus. It's yeah. to lie to the church. It's to lie to the world about who Jesus is. Yeah. And so our, our, our love for God, our love for Christ, first and foremost, leads us to um, purity mm-hmm. on this area in the church. But then secondly, our love for that individual yeah. leads yeah. us to you know, church discipline, as well as you know, maybe calling somebody out who's not yet a member, wants to be a member, but they have these ongoing sins in their life. And we're like, hey, there, there needs to be clear right. repentance on this area and uh, we need to see a pursuit of Christ instead of this drug. I'm wanting to know, I mean, I guess I have it in my head, but examples of what that compassion and love doesn't look like is it doesn't look like gossip. It doesn't look like slander. It doesn't look like um, casting someone out from your presence, avoidance. Um, But there are some hard decisions, but I think at the root of that, it is, again, from a heart of love and desire Mm -hmm. for a love of God primary because it'll be hard to actually... Um, you know, addiction is destructive and it does divide and it does separate. And so I think you kind of see those separations happen. And so to have a heart of compassion doesn't necessarily mean you are giving into sin by way of gossip, but it does mean that um, hard words will have to be shared for the sake of that person and yeah. for the sake of the witness. And so I guess I wanted to make that distinction, I think, because, uh, you know, uh, individuals might bring up, you know, well, you know, separating from that person or um, requiring that they get in a rehab, you know, not um, allowing any funds or money to be flowed. That, that seems unloving, but I'd say actually that might be loving. Whereas what's not loving in a situation like this would be um, blatant malice. Compassion and responsibility go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. We, we can't really show compassion to the individual without at the same time calling them to take responsibility for their sure. destructive patterns. Uh, but, but what does that look like? I think uh, one way it looks is to provide the resources that are needed yeah. for that person to take responsibility. Meaning, you know, they might have uh, been triggered in their addiction by trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this conversation with Diane Langberg, and she talked about uh, drug, or I think we asked her about drug, mm-hmm. drug addiction. Yeah. One of the things she said in there was that you can't even begin to help the individual if they're going, if they're using drugs, if they're coming in high, you know, so they have to stop using drugs to, uh, you know, as how would I, how would I say this? Uh, to feel, yeah, they have to st- almost stop using that so that they're able to be sober-minded about the situation, and then you mm-hmm. can work through areas of trauma, or you can work through a lot of these other things. But you're, an individual who's intoxicated or high exactly. is not able to actually be here in the here and now. Yeah. So I compassion w- looks like I don't mean no. I was just going to say, I would imagine, like, you know, if they are high as well, like, they're not going to be receptive to, like, any counsel from right, you exactly. because, like, they, yeah, they, they're not in that right mind. Mm-hmm. So, compassion looks like 
pushing them toward that, counseling, let's talk about the past, let's talk about the trauma, let's talk about this, the, the underlying stuff, the triggers. Um, compassion certainly looks like taking them to the word and what does the word say about this, sober-mindedness, et cetera. Responsibility is the other side of that token, which says, we can't, I can't give you compassion <laughs> if you're not willing if, to take responsibility for your actions. Mm -hmm. exactly. We can only work with those that want to be yeah. helped. You have to ask that individual, do you actually want change? Do you want to change? Exactly. Do you want a different desire? Because God can actually give you a different desire, but do you actually desire, do you want to, to have a different um, love? And, and I think that that's important that that kind of um, draws the line between responsibility because God can work with a desire. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but when you want to continue to choose yeah. um, addiction, I think, yeah, that's where it's different. I think it's worth saying that, you know, like during, no matter what stage like we're in, like outdoor, like the doors of the church are always open. Like we... We're all like we're not gonna turn anybody away, mm -hmm. but like you guys said, like that individual has to like want to change, right? You know what I mean? But like we're here, right? We would never like turn anybody away because you know God yeah. didn't turn us away. So, and I think sometimes mm -hmm. success for us is being here in two or three years when they finally hit rock bottom, and still uh, and we're still here. Yep. You know we're not going anywhere. And compassionate, like our yeah. like our shepherd, That's like our savior. Yeah. I think I got this from either Paulison, David Paulison, or Ed Welch, or the Crossroads curriculum that we use, or seminary. Where did I get this All from? All of the above. Well, say so, it and maybe we, we got it from somewhere. Lord. We, we had a whole episode focused he on said, this. He said, don't call me out on plagiarism. <laughs> I'm going to cite my sources. Right. All of them. <laughs> Addiction, <laughs> chemical dependency is both involuntary slavery and willful rebellion. That sounds like Welsh. Yeah. So this leads us to compassion, and it leads us to a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Jesus. What did Jesus well. say? So he says in, in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Mm. Amen. So Jesus here wants them to know what? That they have, uh, that they're in slavery because they didn't realize it. That's right. They thought they were free. Yeah. And Jesus wants them to know that they are in slavery and that is a slavery to sin. That's right. Um. Now, slavery in and of itself is involuntary, right? It's it's uh, one aspect of it, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're, you're, you I mean, the whole nature of being yeah. a slave is that I can't leave if I wanted to, exactly. right? Yeah. What's interesting about this, though, is in verse thirty-four, Jesus shows us how we become slaves to sin, and he says, "Those who practice sin is a slave to sin." Exactly. Well, that sounds voluntary, right. you know. So. This is that idea where all sin, and we can include the sin of using substances for intoxication, is uh, there's a sense in which it's involuntary slavery, but it's also a willful uh, rebellion to God. And, you know, in the culture, the culture overreacts on both sides. Some people say, oh, it's only a willful rebellion, mm -hmm. yeah. behavioral modification, 
just stop using uh, lack of compassion. Others say it's a slave to sin. It's who they are. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing they can do about it. Jesus says, no, it's actually a both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes to that, yeah. So I guess the question is how then can someone change? You know? Um, Look to Jesus. Man. So if so the sun simple, sets right? you free, you will be free indeed. So what's that, what's that mean? <laughs> so I, the counselor in me is like, okay, here are there steps. What does looking to Jesus mean and what does it do to someone who is addicted? So there's two verses that come to my mind. 2 Corinthians 3.18 shows us that as we look to Jesus, we change from one degree of glory to another, meaning uh, as we uh, look to the gospel, as we meditate on the gospel, as we look to his word, as we meditate on his word, as we are in the presence of Christ in his gathered community, you know, all of this entails, um, or all that looking to Jesus entails, we grow. But practically speaking, what does that feel like? The other verse that comes to mind is Romans 8, 6, mm. good. which says that the mind, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Mm. And so I think here what, we're, what we see is this call to not allow our minds to be governed by the flesh, but to recognize that we are filled with the spirit, transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so therefore, let's live this new life yeah. uh, in the spirit. So if someone says... Well, I can't stop. You know, I'm. I'm. Um, yes, I believe in Jesus, but this is who I am. I'm an addict. I go back to these things. This is how I cope. It's how I deal with my problems. Mm. We would say it's not. It's not really who you are anymore. Yeah. You're yeah. a new creation in Christ. Yeah. yeah, this isn't your identity. Yeah. yeah, right. So put the flesh to death. Uh, be governed by the renewal of your mind, yeah. and that that looks like being part of a local church, being under the word, the ordinances. Um, repenting. Repenting. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the grace of repenting, the grace That's of right. saying, I do not want to do this. I'm going to change. I, I want God to help me change my mind so that it changes my actions. I'm willing to give up what it yeah. costs. Because I, I think that that's something, you know, addiction is so costly, but following Christ is also costly. Yeah. And it will cost you, um, I feel like I sound like Paul Washer. Yeah. Hey, it will bro. cost you everything. <laughs> it will. It will. Everything. <laughs> but see, right. Stephanie, this is the problem, though, is that so often people don't want to pay that cost, you know. That's right. Mm, they don't want us. to move across the country. They yeah. don't want to Give leave behind their significant other. Um, there's just so many things that they're like, I can't. Uh, I can't afford this. I can't afford mm. to follow Christ in this area of my life. And I think what what, what we would say is, is you got to do whatever it takes. That's right. That radical. It's a radical cost yeah, of following. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and, man. Having an accountability partner where you tell them who your plug is on the, on the streets, yeah. where you give them the names and the phone numbers and you say, hey, if you see me talking to this person, yeah. I want you to pull me aside. Like if you see me walking down this street, you know, there's just, there's this, I will uh, give up my phone where the plugs are, yeah. uh, the contacts, you can have them. Um, willing, I will move to, in with whoever I need to. Yeah. Um, I will take rules and curfews and boundaries and guardrails. You know, it is, yeah, it's a humbling that, yeah. that happens. And I think that's, um, that's for us in any addiction, any sin, really mm-hmm. saying the I care 
so much about my Lord that I'd rather be humiliated. Yeah. You know, that's, right. that's what that looks like. That's good. You know? I just think about um this is not so much a substance abuse, a substance abuse addiction, but you know, part of the reason why whenever I moved in initially, I moved in with family is because I thought, man, I need to be in a community where people will know where I am, when yeah. I'm coming in, who I'm with, That's good. because I I know enough to not trust myself, and That's I good. think that humility has to happen. We say I don't actually trust myself, and you shouldn't either. Yeah. So help me, help me see Jesus. And that's that's our call. Show them Jesus. Yeah. Take him to Jesus. Right. Um, and that's not simplistic, is it? It involves the whole of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I hope this is helpful for anybody that's listening. And at the same time, we've got to recognize that all of this needs to be covered in prayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, prayer is where it's at on this battlefield. Yeah. And uh, so we, uh, our church, we regularly are praying for people that we know. Let us know. Love yeah. to pray. Because sanctification is a slow work. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it takes time, uh, and uh, can be discouraging. It can be yeah. discouraging, and a heart that truly wants to follow Christ will will recognize that they're in a fight in a spiritual battle, uh, and they will want to come alongside the church and say, "Help me to do this." That's what we do with uh, every believer for every sin, and so that that's encouraging for those who are really striving and they want to hate their sin and they want to love the the Lord more. They want to see Him as more glorious, and for those who are not yet there. Making that distinction is so helpful because we're saying you can come and taste, you can drink this water and, and yeah. um, never thirst again. Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.